and in Illinois, Louisiana, and Kentucky. Quote, we got rid of loyalty oaths as a prerequisite for running for office, end quote, said Janess, who believes her party's major accomplishment for 1972 has been to break down many restrictive requirements for running for office, which is a service to all parties, she feels. What do three former car hops have in common? We, we all, all want a woman, woman president. president. I'm Paula. I'm Kathy. I'm Augie. Did you know there have been 59 presidential elections and 46 presidents? Women have run for president 137 times. Represented their party on the official U.S. presidential ballot 66 times and zero have been elected. Some have predicted it will be another 240 years before we see a woman president of the United States. It's time to commit our votes to women who run for president, even if they're not perfect. We vote for imperfect men all the time. If you don't vote for the first woman president, there will never be a second, third, or fourth. So pick the imperfect qualified candidate that shares your vision. And vote for her. Vote for her. Vote for her. To put this episode in context, here are a few historical events that happened between 1968 and 1972. 1968, Congress passed the Fair Housing Act. Police clashed with anti-war protesters in Chicago outside the 1968 Democratic National Convention. Shirley Chisholm became the first Black woman elected to U.S. Congress. 1969, Alcatraz Island is occupied by 14 Native Americans over the issue of Indian causes. Stonewall riots in New York City marked the start of the modern-day gay rights movement in the United States. It was the Woodstock Music Festival in upstate New York, the summer of love, hippies, psychedelics, and free love across America. The Harlem Cultural Festival, also known as Black Woodstock, took place at Harlem's Mount Morris Park in New York City on Sundays, the summer of 1969. Side note, the Summer of Soul documentary premiered at Sundance in 2021. Sesame Street premiered on national education television. November 21, 1969. The basis of the internet we know was deployed although it wasn't until 1989 that the first web browser was made available. 1970, four Kent State University students were shot and killed, and nine others were wounded on campus by National Guard soldiers. Over four million students participated in organized walkouts at hundreds of universities, colleges, and high schools in protest of the shootings. August 12, 1970, the United States Postal Service was made independent not privatized, in a postal reform measure for the first time in almost two centuries. January 2nd, 1971. Cigarette advertising was banned on television. Okay, March 10, 1971. Due to the fact that 18-year-old males could be drafted for the Vietnam War but could not vote, the Senate approved the 26th constitutional amendment that would lower the voting age from 21 to 18. Within three months and eight days, the states had ratified the amendment. The Watergate scandal began in June 1972, when henchmen with ties to President Nixon 
were caught trying to spy on the office of the Democratic National Committee in Washington, D.C.'s Watergate building. Also in 1972, there was a major campaign to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, which, to this day, has not been ratified. And now, let's see how today's candidate impacted history. Linda Janess, maiden name unknown, was born in 1941 in El Reno, Oklahoma, but lived in Georgia most of her life. She attended Antioch College in Ohio. In 1965, after teaching in Spain for a year after college, she went to Washington, where she became a secretary and joined anti-war movements. Influenced by the Cuban Revolution and the Vietnam War, she joined the Young Socialist Alliance in 1966. That membership came with certain risks. Jeunesse and the Young Socialist Alliance were investigated by the Mississippi Sovereignty Commission. In 1969, she married Doug Jeunesse. The reason I became a socialist is because I really believe in democracy, said Mrs. Jeunesse, who got her start in the anti-war movement in 1965, three years after her graduation from Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio. In 1969, Linda ran as the Socialist Workers' Party candidate for mayor of Atlanta. A year later, she ran for governor of Georgia. That led to a lawsuit against Georgia over its ballot access requirements. Linda then traveled in several Latin American countries, including a visit in 1969 to Cuba at Premier Castro's invitation. At the age of 31 in 1972, Linda Janess ran for president as the Socialist Workers' Party nominee. Linda has been described as cool, articulate, and matter-of-fact. And she was known as a vigorous, fearless presidential candidate. During the 14 months prior to the election, Jeunesse four times toured the United States, whistle-stopping in 46 states, campaigned at 800 events, engineered over 65 hours of unpaid TV time, as well as gave an unknown number of press interviews. Quote, we don't think there can be a democracy as long as the country is controlled by a handful of wealthy people. We think socialism and democracy go hand in hand. They are inseparable, end quote. She states that the Democrats and the Republicans are no more than Capitalist Party One and Capitalist Party Two. Although Jeunesse was quite aware that she would not win the election, she felt that a platform which advocated the institution of a society without war, poverty, or unemployment, and an end to racism, sexism, and the exploitation of the working class must be presented to the people. Some of the other major planks of the Socialist Workers' Party were an immediate end to the Vietnam War and the backing of independent political movements by marginalized people. A strong advocate of the women's liberation movement, Jeunesse wanted free child care facilities and socialized medicine and the repeal of all anti-abortion laws. Jeunesse also called for a democratic society where people who live and work in it make the decisions. And that, she added, means taking control of a society out of the hands of a minority of millionaires and reorganizing production with nationalization. Her other proposals, limits on profits from the production of war materials, human rights for prisoners, and other democratic socialist positions, quote, a shorter work week with no reduction in pay, and black control of the black community, end quote. 
her platform was very for the people. But there was a point where it got a little, how do you say it? I'm not sure. Give us an example. If elected, she would abolish all taxes on incomes below $10,000 and establish a 100% tax on all incomes above $25,000. That sounds good, especially for 1972, when the average cost of a house was about $29,000. All profits made from a production of war goods would be confiscated. Rents on apartments should be rolled back to a maximum of 10% of the family income. So if socialism is ideally, and broadly speaking, a political and economic system in which property and the means of production are owned in common, then would that mean that the surplus taxed and confiscated money would be returned to the owners in common, i.e. shareholders, by means of dividends? Good question. Not sure, gonna have to get back to you on that. A coordinated program would be instituted to build safe, efficient, and comfortable mass transportation systems. She would also require an end of forced sterilization. Mm -hmm. She supported equal pay for equal work and the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. Very good. Yeah, good. Excellent. Totally good. A 100% tax on every cent of profits would be imposed on polluters. All corporations would be compelled under the threat of confiscation to install pollution control equipment and to meet state standards set and enforced by committees of workers and consumers. Mm, yeah, maybe. And this is only some of it. Her platform was lengthy and very ambitious. I'll say. Linda made it onto the ballot in 25 states. 500,000 signatures were collected to put Jeunesse on the ballot in those 25 states. When it was revealed that she was four years short of the constitutional age requirement for the U.S. president, who must be at least 35 years old, some states did not accept Jeunesse for the ballot. Linda believed that she should be able to serve if elected, despite being below the legal age threshold of 35 years of age. Jeunesse declared, quote, we think that constitutional requirement is ridiculous, end quote. The Socialist Workers' Party contended that the 20th Amendment empowers Congress to waive the requirement, and most states apparently agreed. Note, it seems that there is no age requirement mentioned in the 20th Amendment. It's very easy to look up and decide for yourself. Oh, okay. And after you do that, you might want to scroll up to the top of the Constitution and read Article 2, Section 1, Paragraph 5, where it states, No person except a natural-born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this Constitution shall be eligible to the office of president. Neither shall any person be eligible to that office who shall not have obtained to the age of 35 years and have been 14 years a resident within the United States. Thank you, Ross. Where have we heard the age requirement issue before? Looking at you, Victoria Woodhull. <laughs> Evelyn Reed ran in the presidential slot in New York, Indiana, and Wisconsin, three of the states that denied Janessa place on the ballot. Together, she and Janessa received 70,000 votes. That meant the Socialist Worker Party had the distinction of fielding two presidential nominees in 1972, both women. Ta-da! 
An interesting side note, in Arizona, Pima and Yavapai counties had a ballot misfunction that counted many votes for both a major party candidate and Linda Janess. A court ordered that the ballots be counted for both. As a consequence, Janess received 16% and 8% of the vote in Pima and Yavapai, respectively. 30,579 of her 30,945 Arizona votes are from those two counties. Some sources don't count these votes for Janess. When asked, she refused to designate either President Nixon or Senator McGovern as the lesser of two evils because the lesser of evil policy is a dead end road. She knew that she would lose, but expected, quote, to see a socialist America in my lifetime, unquote. When she was asked what distinguished the Socialist Workers Party from other left wing parties, such as the American Communist Party, the Socialist Labor Party, and the Socialist Party. Quote, we're the people who believe in democracy, she said. We think socialism and democracy go hand in hand. They're inseparable, end quote. Probably the most remarkable part of Linda Janess's bid for the presidency was the party's success in getting on the ballot. To qualify in more than half the country, the small left-wing party had to collect a half a million signatures and conduct 17 lawsuits in 11 states, 10 of which were won, said Linda Janess. How did those wins benefit her? Seems like most of them benefited other people. One of the lawsuits was in her home state of Georgia, in Atlanta, where it cost $5,000 to run for mayor, $3,000 to run for vice mayor, $1,200 for an alderman, and $600 for the Board of Education, she related. As a result of that case, the Socialist Workers Party got those fees abolished. 36 people signed up to run for alderman and the Board of Education, and for the first time since Reconstruction, five Blacks were elected aldermen. And in Illinois, Louisiana, and Kentucky, quote, we got rid of loyalty oaths as a prerequisite for running for office, end quote, said Janess, who believes her party's major accomplishment for 1972 has been to break down many restrictive requirements for running for office, which is a service to all parties, she feels. Perfect example of women making change. And now, on to Evelyn Reed. Evelyn Reed was born on October 31st in 1905 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Evelyn Reed joined the communist movement in 1940 and remained a leading member of the Socialist Workers Party and was a woman's right activist until her death. She participated in many battles for democratic and trade union rights. An active participant in the women's liberation movement of the 1960s and 1970s, she was a founding member of the Women's National Abortion Action Coalition and spoke on women's rights in cities around the world. Evelyn would say, quote, you know, when people hear the word socialism, they think of someone else's socialism. What we need is a socialism that fits America, end quote. Reed was nominated as candidate for president of the United States for the Socialist Worker Party in the 1972 presidential election. Side note, at the age of 67, that makes her the oldest woman candidate so far. On ballot in only three states, Indiana, New York, and Wisconsin, Reed received a total of 13,000 
878 votes. Quote, the woman question can only be resolved through the lineup of working men and women against the ruling men and women. This means that the interests of the workers as a class are identical and not the interests of all women as a sex. Ruling class women have exactly the same interest in upholding and perpetuating capitalist society as their men have. The bourgeois feminists fought, among other things, for the right of women as well as men to hold property in their own name. They won this right. Today, plutocratic women hold fabulous wealth in their own names. They are completely in alliance with the plutocratic men to perpetuate the capitalist system. They are not in alliance with the working women whose needs can only be served through the abolition of capitalism. Thus, the emancipation of working women will not be achieved in alliance with the women of the enemy class, but just the opposite in a struggle against them as part and parcel of the whole class struggle, end quote. Evelyn Reed said that her subordination did not come through any biological deficiency as a sex. It was the result of the revolutionary social changes which destroyed the equalitarian society of the matriarchal gens or clan and replaced it with a patriarchal class society, which from its birth was stamped with discriminations and inequalities of many kinds, including the inequality of the sexes. The growth of this inherently oppressive type of socioeconomic organization was responsible for the historic downfall of women. She is the author of many works on the origins of the oppression of women and the fight for their emancipation. These include Women's Evolution, 1975, which has been translated into six languages. Other works include Cosmetics, Fashions, and the Exploitation of Women, 1986, co-author. Abortion is a Woman's Right, 1985, co-author. Is Biology Women's Destiny, 1985. Sexism and Science, 1978. Problems of Women's Liberation, 1969. Evelyn Reed died at 73 years of age in New York, New York on March 22nd, 1979. We'd like to convey our immense gratitude and respect for the many women who have run for president. And to all the women, past, present, and emerging who bring us closer to cracking the patriarchal system, we say thank you. We love to hear from you. You can join the growing group of A Woman President fans and let the Carhops know what's going on in your mind regarding the courageous women presented in this podcast. For comments, questions, show notes, and resources, or to just join our email list, visit our website, awomanpresident.com. We won't sell your information, and we only occasionally send out short and sweet updates. Thanks for listening. And thank you for recommending the podcast to your friends. Remember, you too can be a super spreader for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by Carhop Productions. So until the next installment, our hope is that you will be inspired, be involved, be heard, and be kind. Hot off for now, the Carhops.